there are more than 2.4 million prisoners in the United States of America. Since the year 2000, the total number of women serving in the United States has increased by 50%, while the male prison population has grown about 18%. It is now estimated that one in every 30 men will spend at least some time behind bars. According to the Innocence Project, between 2.3% and 5% of all U.S. prisoners are innocent. The American prison population numbers about 2.4 million, so using those numbers, as many as 120,000 innocent people could currently be behind bars. So prepare yourself as we go in to the prison series. Alright, this is the last episode of my prison series, and we're going to go out with one that is kind of still under investigation and still under development, and I thought that was pretty fitting. We're going to be talking about the Thompson Penitentiary, which was built in 2001 as an Illinois state prison, but sat empty for years until it was bought by the Justice Department. Lawmakers, including U.S. Senator Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth, both Illinois Democrats, cheered its opening as a way to bring hundreds of jobs and millions in revenue to the region. On December 15, 2009, President Obama formally ordered the Departments of Justice and Defense to arrange federal ownership of the prisons and prepare for transfer there of both federal prisoners as well as Guantanamo Bay detainees. Similarly to when it first opened in 2001, many in town had welcomed the idea of Guantanamo prisoners being housed in their towns in hopes it would revitalize the local economy and bring jobs to the neighborhood. But then in Illinois, 2012, the plan changed when it was announced that the Obama administration and Federal Bureau of Prisons would buy the Thompson Correctional Center from the state of Illinois for $165 million. They then said, Nah, to housing any Guantanamo inmates and said they'd just house only Bureau of Prison inmates and be operated solely by the Bureau of Prisons. Specifically, it would be used for administrating maximum security inmates and others who have proven too difficult to manage in normal high security institutions. So this whole whole idea was that this would make federal prisons safer by relieving dangerous overcrowding, but an investigation found that this penitentiary had quickly became one of the deadliest with five suspected homicides and two alleged suicides since only 2019. Then in 2022, so two years ago, a handwritten letter arrived to investigators day before Christmas, reading, This is an emergency issue. Please help, in all caps with lots of exclamation points. Signed by 14 people incarcerated in one of the highest security federal prisons in the country, the letter was an urgent warning for prison officials. Several correction officers were trying to bribe prisoners to attack the new warden and one of his captains. Three men said officers offered to poorly tighten the hand restraints during the warden's walkthrough so that the inmate can easily slip his hand restraints and carry out a physical assault. According to the letter, guards had offered the men extra food trays and other favors and promised not to injure them after the attack. The men wrote that officers were angry about changes being made by the new warden. 
Thomas Bergami had taken over the Thompson Penitentiary in western Illinois only nine months earlier and was given this insane task of fixing a place where five people had died and over 120 people had reported severe abuse by the guards. A second letter delivered soon after the first, making similar claims, and said that officers suggested that someone stab the warden and the captain. An investigator from the Bureau of Prisons interviewed some of the men who signed the letters and found the information they provided to be fairly consistent, according to his report. But because none provided specific dates or times of this allegation, the agent wrote he could not confirm nor refute their accounts. So, all this did, according to Thomas, was, uh, you know, make the guards aware that now he knew of them, which is worse. When the regional director called me and said, well, they looked into it and put those guys back into their posts, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? My staff were staying to stab me in the captain, and now I've got to worry about that. Bureau officials did not respond to questions about the letters and the investigations when attempts were made, keeping tight-lipped as possible. Thomas Bergami's account, however, together with interviews with other Thompson employees and dozens of internal bureau documents reviewed by the news organizations, depict a prison where officials were unable to fire guards they considered dangerous. The officers' unions resisted management's effort to hold staff accountable, and other managers at the agencies undermined their efforts to make changes. Thomas Bergami said he realized from his first day at Thompson, where more than 1,400 men were held, that the prison had an enormous problem with inmate abuse, including falsifying charges against black prisoners and keeping men in painful restraints for days. The attitude of staff there, he said, was the worst I have seen in 31 years. Matthew Phillips, a Jewish man with a Star of David tattoo on his chest, was killed after Thompson Correctors officers locked him in a recreation cage with two members of an open white supremacist gang. Bobby Everson was killed at Thompson after he had been writing to his family for months, saying he felt that officers were purposefully housing him with overly violent men. Bobby Everson was nearing the end of his decade-long federal prison sentence, but he feared he wouldn't make it home alive. In June, July of 2021, he was sent to the Special Management Unit at this new U.S. penitentiary in Thompson. He was serving time for drug and weapon charges, had recently been written up for threatening bodily harm and assault without serious injury. Though prison records don't provide details after his transfer, his letters home to his family in New York grew more desperate with each passing week. Everson, who the family called AJ, told them he was locked down for nearly 24 hours a day with his cellmate, in cells so small that the toilet was crammed next to the bottom bunk. He was let out only for occasional medical appointments, showers, or an hour of exercise in an outdoor cage. He could hear guards in riot gear blasting men on his tear with pepper spray and locking them in hard restraints. His own wrists, ankles, and abdomens were scarred from these shackles. Prisoners began calling these the Thompson Tattoos. But the most pressing threat came from the men officers chose to put in his cell. I feel the staff here is purposely trying to put me in situations of conflict, he wrote to his cousin Roosevelt Murray in late October. Pray for your little cousin, man, that I get through this unscathed. In late November, Everson got in a fight with his new cellmate. I'm doing my best to bob and weave these incidents. Keep calling up here, man, inquiring on me any free time you get. Seventeen days later, however, Everson, who was 36, 
would be found dead in his cell. It was homicide, caused by blunt trauma with an object, according to prison records. Federal prosecutors have yet to file charges against anyone in connection to his death, which is still, to this day, under investigation. When Bergarmi arrived, Thompson was home to the Special Management Unit, a program meant for the most disruptive people in federal custody. Volatile people are often locked down in pairs for nearly 24 hours a day in a cell roughly the size of a parking space, forced to eat, sleep, and defecate only feet away from each other. Attorneys have stated that many people held at Thompson Report were not getting the mental health care they need or are simply denied their psychiatric medication, and the special management unit had been sued for this before. Damon Jackson was one of the men who signed the first letter warning Bergami. In a phone interview, Jackson recalled an officer offering an MP3 player or extra food, telling his cellmate, Look, if something happens to the warden, they're going to take care of him. After the letter, Jackson said the investigator spoke to a few people who signed it, not to him. We, uh, we never heard anything back after that, Jackson said. Jackson and the others were moved to other prisons after the special management unit closed. He said officers felt like the warden was too soft, was too pro-inmate. They wanted to get him out of the way so they could, t- could continue beating inmates and run the prison the way they had always wanted to. Thomas Bergami was the warden of a medium-security federal prison in New Jersey when the bureau officials asked him to run Thompson. He hired Denny Whitmore, another 30-year-old veteran of the federal prison system, as his associate warden. When they arrived at Thompson in spring of 2022, they were shocked by the staff's practices. Both said that when they arrived, they were distressed to see officers walking people in shackles backwards downstairs, one officer on each arm and a third controlling the prisoner's head. Thomas wrote to his superiors that he had never seen that method in any operations manual and that he found it dangerous and overall unnecessary. Bergami and Whitmore said staff would also move prisoners across the yard in freezing winter weather with no shoes or coats. Bergami said staff also frequently used what is called a four-point restraint, a tactic meant as a last resort. People in four points are splayed spread eagle with each of their limbs shackled to the corner of a bed. People incarcerated at Thompson reported being held this way for hours, sometimes days at a time. Many said they weren't fed or allowed to use the bathroom, so they would be forced to lie there spread eagle in their own waist. Some restraints were applied so tightly that they left scars, which the prisoners were now openly calling the Thompson tattoo. Bergami asked medical staff for a count of how many people had this injury, and they found that there was more than 90 inmates with these tattoos. Bergami said he tried to fire at least three officers who were found by internal investigators to have been abusing people in their custody, but every single time, superiors blocked the action. One of the officers Bergami said he tried to fire was named in two separate lawsuits, alleging he slammed two prisoners' faces into concrete's floors, knocking one unconscious. According to court records, and neither person suing had an attorney, and both cases were just simply dismissed. One of the officers was recommended for termination by employment personnel at the Bureau and by Bergami, according to the former warden in Whitmore, but they said other agency officials overruled it, said too bad. The Bureau of Prisons confirmed that the officer is actually, in fact, still working at Thompson. Bergarmi and Whitmore said they also tried to fire an officer who they said saw on video 
throwing away prisoners' mail, which is a felony. The agency also overruled them in that decision. The two former Thompson officials and a current prison employee said that the attitude among many guards was reflected by a group who refused to wear their issued uniforms. These officers opted instead for black t-shirts with the Union logo or the Skull logo of the Punisher. The vigilante comic book character that has unfortunately become really popular with cops and far-right extremists and these cringe assholes would call themselves the black shirt mafia it's just like yeah besides being evil it's so fucking cringe it's so stupid like you just want to take these stupid goons <laughs> I just, micro penis energy to the max Agency policy prevented Thomas Bergamy and Whitmore from speaking publicly about the prison without authorization while they worked there. They said they felt that reporting the abuse of Thompson to their superiors at the agency blocked their own advancement opportunities, and eventually these guys just chose to retire. There's no excuse for there to be any homicides in a prison, said David Fothy, director of the American Civil Liberties Union National Prison Project. It's an environment of total surveillance and control. Like, obviously, it makes no sense. Sebastian Richardson was housed at Lewisburg from 2010 to 2012 and sued the prison for leaving him in shackles for nearly a month when he tried to refuse dangerous cell assignments. A decade later, he was still having searing pain, swelling, and numbness in his hands as a result of these cuffs, and obviously has trouble trusting authority. He said, look, you come out of these places with a lot of anger and a lot of hate, and they create that. The Federal Bureau of Prisons closed this unit in 2023 after officials found significant concerns with respect to institutional culture. Roughly 350 people were immediately sent to prisons across the country, where many of them report still being held in some form of solitary confinement, according to the Washington Lawyers Committee. Several guards from Thompson are now working at other facilities, simply following these inmates that they've abused to other places. I mean, that's so nightmarish. Like you have to be like, Oh, finally I'm, I'm getting moved away from this penitentiary. And then you notice that this guard came with you wearing his cringe ass Punisher shirt. Transferring to other prisons made some people feel safer about coming forward. More than 25 of the individuals interviewed in a new report reached out after they were moved. Even though the specialty unit was closed, Thompson as a penitentiary still remains. In fact, it just made the news in December of 2023, so like, you know, two months ago, for officials cutting hours, bonuses, and staff. Because, you know, that makes a prison run fucking fantastic. Christmas is right around the corner, and staff are getting a 25% pay cut at Christmas time, says John Zumker, president of the AFGE Local Union 4070, calling the director of the Federal Bureau of Prisons the Grinch that stole Christmas from the staff at Thompson. So it doesn't make any sense. If they're putting staff and inmates' lives at risks by cutting the staff, by cutting the pay, and we're currently 71 guards short at Thompson. Their solution apparently was to cut the pay by 25% to somehow bring in more staff. Zoomker also said that he's not happy with the lack of transparency from the Federal Bureau of Prisons and its directors. We have reached out multiple times to her, and she has not responded, says Zimker. The national unit reached out to the head of HR last week, and they said that there has been no change in retention, meaning it was not going anywhere. Then they notify us today of something different. 
the director is not listening to the boots on the ground that actually works at Thompson. We currently have almost 150 staff saying that they're going to leave and they will go work for the state of Illinois that pays more anyway. Instead of stopping the bleeding, they're opening the wound even more, and they're going to put staff and inmate lives at risk by shortchanging all of us at Thompson Penitentiary, by not filling the mission, and by not getting enough staff to work here. And they're going to have blood on their hands when an inmate or staff gets killed because of their decision to cut the pay by 25% here at Thompson. And as of uh, today, in February 2024, the penitentiary still stands in whatever this rocky balance is. I mean... What a shit show, right? So besides like the massive clear abuse that's going on and I mean, just the history alone. And now that we all know, like the guard situation, I, I, here's my thing. All right. You get anything even remotely like the, the black shirt mafia, you get any guards acting like that. Just fire them. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Just fire them. And I know like understaffed, whatever I get it. Fire them. You will find someone else. Anybody that starts acting like there's some sort of violent vigilante for prison guards, like too cringe to live. I don't trust you. All right. I mean, grown up in up until a few years, Punisher was like my favorite. I love Punisher comics, but it is so difficult now to outwardly say that because you have people like this and then you have like the freaking, there was like cop cars. It was like last year. They got in trouble because they had like magnets of Punisher logos on their cars. Like it's so stupid. The 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 creator, it was some Punisher artist and writer had to specifically put a segment in the comics of Frank Castle the Punisher ripping up the logos for the cops, being like, "No, you're not allowed to do this." Just to specifically address the real life idiots that think being a cop somehow means emulating that psycho behavior all right guys that's all i have um you know all i know i'm going to personally keep in touch on this penitentiary i'm interested to see where it goes it just seems like a a boiling pot just seems like madness waiting to happen um so maybe it'll be a future episode but that's it for my four-part prison series just to dive in to get some perspective on not only prisons in general but just the horrifying fact that a lot more goes on than we're supposed to know and a lot of people are innocent and a lot of people have served their time and just the fact that there's not a reformation going on that's supposed to be going on especially in this country we have such a massive prison population and we are not actually healthily helping these people but all right, well, let me know what you guys think. Uh, maybe, you know, if you think I'm totally off base, I would love to talk about it. But uh, until then, I'll see you guys next Monday.